Donato's just didn't add bacon to their pizzas. They added bacon to their bacon. Canadian bacon and hardwood smoked bacon. Or Canadian bacon and Chipotle seasoned bacon. Get $2 off a large bacon duo or any large pizza. Use promo code 2. Donato's. Every piece is important. Amazon Prime members now get free grocery delivery with a minimum order. You'll get your groceries with two-hour delivery. So in that time, you can use photo filters to imagine what you would look like with bangs. But don't do it. Just imagine. Meditate. Notice your body. Feel your breath. Am I doing this right? Get lost in a Wikipedia spiral. How do flowers propagate? Whatever it is you're doing with your time, your shopper will be carefully picking out your favorite groceries while providing contactless delivery to your door. Free two-hour grocery delivery, now with Prime. Hey, gals. Welcome back to Working Gals Guide. Thank you for tuning in. Today's episode is fantastic. I have a guest who is such a go-getter and she has so much going on and she's extremely productive and so accomplished. So today's guest is Sabrina Marzaro. So she is a lot of things, but to start off with, she does have a marketing company called Graphite and Inc. It serves as a creative uh, company and she does some copywriting. She does some branding for companies like L'Oreal and Clarins, which are major brands as we know. So Sabrina is also a professor of creative strategies at the very prestigious FIT. For anyone who doesn't know what FIT is, it is New York's Fashion Institute of Technology, a very, very well-renowned school. So she also works there, and of course, that is in New York. So the great thing about Sabrina, and a very interesting thing, is she actually resides between New York City and also Paris. So Her graphite and ink company is mainly based out of Paris, and she actually splits her time between the two different major hubs. She talks about this a bit on the podcast, and I think it's a really interesting thing to be able to split your time and split your life between these two incredible and iconic places that I think a lot of people do want to move to and live. So Sabrina's living that in real life. She's living in both places. So Sabrina is also a published author. So she actually wrote a book. Um, It's called Swiping for Prince Charming. It was released last fall and you can still find it. Um, I'll put the link down in the show notes. It's again called Swiping for Prince Charming. What's really cool about this story is that it does recount a little bit of Sabrina's life. And it actually is very closely aligned to Emily in Paris, which I think is a very popular show on Netflix. Um, So I'm sure a lot of you have watched it by now. If you haven't, it's a really easy watch, so go do so. But Sabrina's story is very similar to Emily in Paris, and that is very closely aligned to the book as well. So it's a really interesting read, I'm sure. I still have to order it. Um, But yes, I I would really recommend everyone go check it out for sure. She does talk a bit um, as well on the podcast about the book as well and that process of putting it together. So stay tuned for all of that in the episode. So Sabrina really is a fantastic guest because she drops so many nuggets of information as she goes along in the episode. I would highly recommend um, go ahead and take a pen and paper or have your note app open on your phone. She has really just so much advice in there. It's great. So I'm so thankful she came on. So apart from today's episode, in terms of what's going on in my life, I would just say everything is just kind of going along pretty normal as of now. Nothing too crazy is going on. Just working my nine to five, which of course is more than a nine to five. It's a little bit extra hours on top of that. But apart from that, not much too else is going on. I'm still writing for some of those publications that I had mentioned in earlier episodes like Pop Sugar and Betches and 
The cool thing I think is actually that Pop Sugar reached out to me and asked if I could write more regularly. So I am going to be writing a bit more on different diverse topics for them as well in the coming months, which is really interesting. And I'm kind of proud about that as well. So apart from that, I don't think anything else is really new in my life. So I will wrap this up by saying make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. Ratings and reviews are really their everything when it comes to podcasting. So please go do so. Um, and without further ado, here is today's incredible episode with Sabrina. Hey gals, welcome back to Working Gals Guide. Today's guest is someone I am so impressed by. She is incredible. Her name is Sabrina. Hey Sabrina, how's it going? So well, thank you so much for having me, Simran. I'm really happy to be here. Oh, I'm so happy. I think I'm more excited than you. Um, You've just done so much. We're going to get into all of it, everything you've accomplished. But honestly, everyone listening, this is a good episode. We have a fantastic gal here who is going to inspire you. She'll motivate you. And she has a lot of advice to give. Thank you. I'm really touched by your words. (laughs) Awesome. Okay. So as everyone knows, we have a couple of fun icebreaker questions. So Sabrina, are you ready for your first one? Let's go. All right. Okay. So again, these are silly everyone. So just bear with us. Um, But what was your favorite subject in high school? Ah, um, so my last year of high school, I actually, I spent abroad in France and we had this, um, I guess it's called applied arts class. And it was every Friday morning and it was essentially creating advertisements um, and drawing them out by hand. And it was this place I would just escape to every Friday morning. My mind, my imagination would go wild and I really adored it. Oh, that's so fun. And that was, I mean, that doesn't seem like something I've ever taken or that was offered in my high school. So it sounds like a fun class to take and definitely a very creative one as well. Yeah, yeah, it was, I looked forward to my Fridays, like you can't even imagine. (laughs) Oh, I bet, I know, and it's almost for me, that class that I loved was always gym class, and we used to have it every other day, and it was the same kind of deal, I would always look forward to it, I was always just so pumped when the day came, and you know, it's just one of those things that you, like you said, you look forward to, is kind of that escape, so yeah, I definitely get that. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Second question, which sex in the city character would be your BFF? Carrie, hands down. (laughs) I love how you had such a fast answer to that one. (laughs) I mean, I've watched every single season so many times by now that yeah, it'd be hard to not have an immediate response. (laughs) Yes, I know. I totally get that. And I feel like the, the typical question is always, okay, which character are you? But I'm like, okay, let's ask who would be your BFF. Cause that's like, not exactly you. It's someone that you'd want to spend time with, but I love Carrie as well. I always wanted to be Carrie. And honestly, you know, she's just so amazing from what she does with work to how she acts. Her boyfriends and love life are also just so entertaining. I would love to hear her just chat about it. Um, Then, of course, her fashion, too. She is obsessed with shoes, as (laughs) a lot of people are. So, yeah. It was actually interesting because I was just rewatching several episodes and seeing it at different stages of your life, um, you see it through a different perspective. Mm-hmm. And 
um, I picked up on different nuances of her personality that I didn't necessarily recognize before, such as she has this very childlike spirit, the fact that she still gets strawberry smoothies and, and just the way that she sort of like giddily jumps up and down at times. Mm -hmm. And um, so there's this sort of like naivete and sweetness mixed with this powerful, you know, independent woman that is a hopeless romantic and, and really loves love. So in a lot of ways, I sort of, um, I guess, was drawn to that. Yeah, I love that. And I think that I need to go rewatch it. I watched it a few years ago now. So I think it's time to go back and, you know, turn it on again, especially with the winter coming. Um, but yeah, I totally get what you mean. I feel like she totally is, you know, very childish, but in like the best whimsical kind of way, like the fun kind, the entertaining. Exactly. So. I think it's so important to maintain that childlike wonder all throughout your life. It also just makes everything a lot more fun. And, you know, I think children are, have the ability to see something beautiful, even when we might be having you know, a coffee day, whatever, they're naturally happier. So. <laughs> yeah, I definitely agree. I definitely agree. Um, and this question is very tailored to you. So you have a background in fashion um, in many different, uh, I guess, ways in your life. But from your point of view, whose fashion do you admire the most on Sex in the City? Mm. Uh, okay, so I would still overall go with Carrie. Um, granted, there are some ensembles that I would not personally wear. Mm -hmm. But I'm especially thinking about uh, back to one of the very last episodes, this exquisite ball gown that she wears mm -hmm. in Paris that I would just absolutely die to have. So <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I love that so much. Um, yeah, I love her style as well. There was a period in my life where I was watching Sex and the City and Gossip Girl at the same time. And I kind of felt like I liked Charlotte's, um, I guess, style because of that, because it's kind of preppy. Um, but now I would definitely say, I think a combination between Carrie and Samantha, I love both their styles. And I think they both had some iconic pieces. So it'd be cool to have both their closets combined, in my opinion. Yeah, it also like depends on the day, who the type yeah. of whatever you're, you want to evoke through your style. Mm -hmm. And so there's some days that maybe like, I'm a little bit more Charlotte when I have business meetings, you know, <laughs> things yeah, like that. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> These are fun <laughs> questions though. <laughs> Okay, very last question. And this was inspired, by the way, I just came up with it this morning. It is not an out of the box question, but I came out with it because of today's weather in Vancouver. The question is, what is your favorite thing to do on a rainy day? Mm, uh, definitely spend it in an art museum. In Paris, it would be the Musée d'Orsay. And then go and have like afternoon tea and sweets at one of the, the tea salons. Oh my gosh, that sounds perfect. I was waiting for you to say like watch a movie and nope, you just came out with an absolutely <laughs> fantastic day that I am just wishing I could do right now. Um, yeah, me right that now. sounds <laughs> perfect. <laughs> and honestly, that sounds good on a sunny day or a rainy day, literally any day. Um, but okay, so question for you, kind of follow up question here. Do you go alone to museums? Are you the kind of person who enjoys that? Or would you prefer to go with someone or a group and do that as like kind of a, a bigger group activity? That's an interesting question. I, I like both uh, for different reasons. I like going with, for instance, a friend because you can sort of just speak about your different perceptions of the, the art. I'm also, I, I really love art. I was an art history minor. So, um, but then one of my... This is sort of odd, but something that I like to do sometimes, for instance, I went to an exhibit a few months ago um, on Dugas uh, ballerinas. 
and go, I went alone, but each, while I was visiting the exhibit, I was listening to Tchaikovsky. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm a total geek. Um, <laughs> and, but it felt as if with, between the music and the ambiance and the paintings themselves, I was almost feeling as if I was waltzing between the paintings oh. and having this fully immersive experience. So highly recommend choosing a soundtrack to accompany you on a visit to a museum. <laughs> oh, that is so good. It's like, you know how, I mean, I did this at least, I don't know about you, maybe I'm just kind of weird, but I would always, especially when I was younger, like high school, even like university, college, like I would always like kind of imagine um, like the soundtrack behind me when I was doing certain things. But this is like taking that to an actual like reality, like, and that sounds amazing. I could just picture you waltzing as you were saying that. So (laughs) that sounds incredible to be honest. But I love your idea of like imagining a soundtrack to accompany you at different stages of moments of life. I think that's really powerful. I mean, I don't know if you've done this, but I personally use music even to sort of like condition myself before I have to go on stage or give a Mm -hmm. presentation just to set the mood and and power me up, you know? Oh, definitely. Definitely. Like I have different types of music that I love to listen to before, like you're saying, like different events, whether it's a presentation or am I going to like meet, um, you know, like someone on a first date, for example, Mm -hmm. or just like things in general and the music sets the mood. I've even found now as well with podcasts, different podcasts, depending on the host and their guests will kind of set the the ambiance for me will set kind of my energy as well. So I, I'm very kind of aware of it and how it affects me. And I'll pick and choose them depending on how I want to feel and how I need to act in whatever I'm going to. Completely. And I think that's really interesting that, yeah, that you picked up on that. I, but I, I've experienced that and agree with you entirely. Yeah. Amazing. Okay. Well, I think we've done enough icebreaker questions. Okay. So Sabrina, please introduce yourself to our guests today. Right. I forgot. No one knows yet who I am. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So my name is Sabrina Marzaro. I am the president and founder of Graphite and Inc., which is a branding, copywriting, and translations company based in Paris. Um, I'm also a professor of creative strategies at New York's FIT and the author of Swiping for Prince Charming, which is Mm -hmm. an illustrated tale of a woman's search for love in Paris. I love that. I love everything you've done. You really do inspire me. It's so crazy. I was reading um, your website yesterday, just again, just to kind of, you know, brush up before today's interview. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so lucky that I'm getting to talk to her. Um, you know, just fantastic everything you've done. We're going to dive into absolutely everything, by the way. So everyone listening, stay tuned for this entire episode. It is going to be action packed. Okay, so let's start off with the fact that you do, um, let's go back to what you mentioned earlier in the icebreakers. So you said for your your last year high school, you moved to, you know, France and you studied there. Take Mm -hmm. us through that journey of how you actually have been moving around to different places between the U.S., Europe, where were you born, etc. Give us the entire story. Okay, um, I'll try to streamline everything for you. Okay, sounds <laughs> but, good. Um, so born and raised in California, then lived for a few years in Connecticut, uh, decided to spend my final year of high school in France, where I was with a host family um, down in the southwest, um, the Bassin d'Arcachon. Uh, returned to DC for uh, university, during which I spent my year abroad in Paris. And as soon as I had my diploma, three days later, one way to get back to Paris. Um, And then the last few years, I've been living between New York and Paris because of all these different um, 
career opportunities that I just could not let slip by. Mm -hmm. So uh, yeah, now I'm, I'm still living essentially between the two continents. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. And so right now though, you are in uh, Europe, so you're in Paris right now. Yes. I just got back here this summer. So. Okay. And I mean, with the pandemic and everything, are you planning to stay there for a longer term than you would have um, maybe originally if there was no pandemic? Yes. I had intended originally to stay longer in New York. Um, and then, you know, the last few months decided for now I needed to come back to Paris and just kind of find my little nest, my apartment, you know, my home and, and then figure things out from there. Right, right. Yeah. So this is a super interesting story because I feel like some people I've heard, you know, they live between maybe two different states like California and New York, but you literally live between two different continents that are so far away. They speak different languages, but I mean, you're making it work and you're thriving, um, you know, with your businesses as well in your career, which is super cool. So Take us as well through that career progression that you've had. And then after you give us the streamlined version, we'll break down each individual part if that works. Sure, sure. So um, I, when I graduated from college and moved to Paris, I immediately started off with a job in fashion because I thought I was going to dedicate my entire life to the industry, essentially. Mm -hmm. um, and so I was a product manager for a leather goods company. Um, by the way, I'm sort of like completely skipping over all my long-term internships that I did in advertising and fashion and everything and just going into right after college for you. But um, so when I moved here, I became a product manager for a few years. And it was when, uh, for personal reasons, I decided to leave Paris to move to the south of France, to Nice, that um, I was looking for a new full-time job down in Nice. And in the meantime, I thought, you know, I, I do translations on the side from French and, uh, and Italian into English. So why don't I just develop this until I can find this full-time job? So I was doing that, uh, just cold calling different agencies and brands and pitching my services. And one of them tested me and really loved how I wrote and said, well, we don't need a translator. We need an English speaking copywriter. Can you do that? So I said, yes. And since then, I've really developed um, and expanded on my client base for not only copywriting, so developing advertising campaigns for different brands, but also uh, positioning strategies and branding for, for different companies. Um, so I've been doing that the last uh, five years now. And during these last five years, I also a few years ago, opened a restaurant in New York with my father on the Upper East Side called Bigli Venezia. And then I also went to live in New York for a year to teach at FIT, as I mentioned, and now came out with this book. And I think I covered everything. <laughs> <laughs> There's so much in there, and I'm just so excited to dive into all of it. Um, okay, so let's start with your passion for fashion. So where did that come from? Were you always passionate about fashion? Did you love it from a young age? Or is it more something that you develop through your internships, through taking some classes, um, you know, at school, whether it be high school or college? So I've always, always adored it because my, my father always worked in uh, luxury footwear. Mm -hmm. And so um, I grew up literally at photos of myself at less than, I think, a year old trying on heels. <laughs> so, so yeah, it's just always been something because I, I grew up spending all my summers in Italy where um, my dad is from and that's where the factories are. And historically um, 
shoes have, have been made there um, for all the big brands. So I'd spend my summers really in the, the factories, watching the artisans, handcrafting these pieces. And I always loved uh, the tradition, again, this, this creating something so beautiful with this exquisite craftsmanship and materials and just pieces that could make you dream. And so I really wanted to be a part of that. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. I love that. It was kind of something that you picked up from your family and your father as well. And it's kind of cool as well that now um, you guys are both in an endeavor together with that restaurant, even though it's not fashion based, it's still cool to be working with a parent or anyone in your family on any sort of business endeavor. So that is definitely interesting. So you went from there, you went and studied at college. Um, so what did you study? Because you mentioned art history, but did you study any marketing, branding, et cetera, as well when you were there? Yeah, I have a Bachelor of Business Administration with a concentration in marketing and then minor in art history. Right. Okay. So that's cool as well. And then when you were doing all this, did you ever have the idea that, okay, want to be an entrepreneur one day? I know you kind of fell into the fact where you were kind of translating and that turned into your business graphite and ink, but did you ever have this almost thing in the back of your head saying, maybe one day I will open my own business? Um, I've always been very entrepreneurial that I have to say, my brother and I, ever since we were little, we'd always be coming up with different ways to like make some pocket change, whether it was literally setting up for 10 stores and, and selling our drawings for 25 cents a piece to my parents. Aww. But I, I really just always thought that, I mean, this sounds quite ambitious and whatnot, but I, I really thought that I was going to become the global CEO of Chanel. Okay. Um, yeah. And I, you know, the person that held that role for over 10 years, Maureen Chike, is one of the women that I admire tremendously in business. Mm -hmm. Um, And I really followed her career trajectory. I studied everything and was lucky enough to have the chance to meet her at one point. Um, And actually, it's an interesting story. um, But in essence, I... I don't know if you, do you want me to explain exactly? (laughs) Sure. Yeah, for sure. Let's Um, get into it. So I saw that she was going to be speaking at the New York Times Luxury Conference in Versailles a few years ago. And at that point, I'd already moved to Nice and started doing my copywriting stuff. And I was absolutely convinced I had to find a way to, to, to listen to her presentation, to meet her in person and whatnot. So um, I contacted the New York Times and proposed um, to, to work on at the conference because I'd already had experience organizing conferences with uh, Women's Wear Daily of Fairchild uh, Fashions of Condé Nast. And so I was interviewed and they accepted me. And so I got to go and work at this conference at which she was the keynote speaker. Okay. And um, after her presentation, I went up to her and I just, she could sense that I was genuinely in awe of her and just so humbled to be able to, to speak to her. And I asked her essentially just like a few questions, but we, I had her contact. And so I emailed her afterwards saying, asking her in essence, um, you know, all my life, I thought that one day I would follow in your footsteps. And she had just um, stepped down from her role at Chanel after these 10 years. Okay. So I said, my question to you is, do you believe that that 
it's worth pursuing that role given all the sacrifices and everything it takes to get there? Or should I continue on this new entrepreneurial venture that I've, that I've started? And I'll never forget, she wrote back this letter that was incredibly detailed and, and just thorough, drawing on all her different experiences. And, and it was so beautiful and insightful. And it didn't tell me flat out what I should do with my life, but it allowed me to reflect on what I might want to do. Mm-hmm. And I think that for me, it convinced me, um, one, that she's an even more inspiring leader to take the time to do that. Um, But also I was like, you know what, I think that I have to listen to my instinct right now. This is what I need to do as an entrepreneur. And maybe someday I'll go back into corporate, but that's to be determined. Right, right. So that's super interesting. And I mean, the fact that you were, okay, let's just break this down because that was a very interesting story. But I am seeing almost like this common um, like trait in you where you're very ambitious, you go for what you want. And part of that is not just from what you've said already, but it's also part of your um, swiping for Prince Charming um, Mm -hmm. story as well, which we'll get into. But you go after what you want. And I think that's a great lesson for anyone listening as well as myself, of course. You know, if, if you see something, you know, out there, whether it be a conference you can work at, if it's just something that you want in general, a job to meet someone, etc., go after it, figure out a way to actually contact the people, get involved as much as you can, and it never hurts to reach out. And it looks like you've done that throughout your life, which is awesome. It's gotten you to, you know, amazing places and you've gotten to meet individuals that are very influential, your, you know, heroes as well, which is really cool. Um, but yeah, it's interesting the advice that she gave you and um, and how that's, you know, been able to shape what you do as well. And it must have been such a surreal, like, pinch me moment when that happened. I can only imagine. Um, but yeah, I mean, that experience altogether sounds incredible. And it seems like as well, you take control of your, I guess, of you and you take control of your opportunities and your career, which I don't think everyone does or realizes they can. Um, and this is maybe just me projecting my own feelings, but sometimes I feel when we work at a company, for example, we kind of think our manager dictates our future or the CEO dictates our future or all these external things are going to really shape the way we do evolve as a person in our career. But honestly, it seems like your lesson here is that, you know, we can take control of that and we can pave our own way. And whether that means starting your own company, whether it means making opportunities for ourselves we can go out and actually take control of all of that and actually shape it the way we do want it to be for ourselves and how we've envisioned it as well, if that makes sense. Uh, Yeah, I think that's, that's very, that's completely accurate. We all have the power to shape our own journeys. That being said, I think that there are a lot of people that, um, that would rather honestly being guided and there's, that's perfectly fine. Um, I think that some people are better at executing when they're given specific direction and instructions. And I think we, we need all of that in society for society to even function. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that it's good if we can all cultivate a somewhat um, entrepreneurial spirit within our roles, whether we prefer to, to take on something that is very um, independent and again, building your own business, which comes with much higher risk or uh, just learning to take initiative within our own roles, uh, our own jobs, and or even just as uh, hobbies. 
Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And it's like, if you think of something that you want to do, get it down on paper or just go after it, like make it a goal and try to make it happen. I mean, the worst that can happen is that you don't get there, but still, at least, you know, internally that you tried and it's not this lingering thing in the back of your head, like what if? So that is, I think, I mean, your story to this point is just, it's incredibly just motivating as well, I think for people listening, which is really cool. Okay, so going, oh yeah, of course, <laughs> I was like, going back to Graphite and Ink, you have worked um, with brands like L'Oreal, Clarins, which are massive, massive brands. I mean, tell me about that. How is it working with global brands like that? How did it come to happen? And, you know, again, did you have that pinch me moment when you got them as clients? Um, so I... I feel very blessed to be able to work with companies that I admire so much, I have to say. Um, definitely the first few times, the first contracts I signed, I was so beyond ecstatic because it was just like, oh my God. I'm Bob Sullivan, the new host of AARP's The Perfect Scam Podcast. And with Frank Abagnale and other top fraud experts, we're bringing you brand new episodes of America's most shocking scam stories. I got an email alerting me to 22 accounts that had been opened up in my name. Scam was masterfully designed. New episodes available now. Subscribe to the Perfect Scam podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Gosh, is this really happening? And especially even when I saw, for instance, um, the first few emails that were sent out globally by companies like Guerlain, and it was the text that I had written. And I'm sitting there thinking like, oh my gosh, like every single person in their database, millions of people are receiving these texts that I wrote and then maybe even translated into those local languages. So that was pretty surreal. Um, at this point, it's like, it. I hate to say it's become like customary. So I need to, I find different ways to get excited about it, which is for me, um, when I get to do projects with more influence, like when it's with regards to developing an entire repositioning strategy, um, the risks are higher, but it feels so much more fulfilling. Oh, right. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's really exciting getting to see behind the scenes of all these really big brands and to feel like you're making an impact in some way, you know? Yeah, of course, of course. And I mean, just seeing anything you do come to fruition, like you said, like seeing the verbiage that you've put together, like you see that that's incredible. And so many other people are seeing it as well. And they're being impacted by it, too, which is just really, really a cool thing. Um, And I think in any job, whether it be, you know, marketing or branding job, or even what I'm doing in tech, when I see something I do, um, when I see a project kind of come to fruition, that is always the best moment, like seeing it go live, seeing it actually be seen by other people as well. That is the coolest thing, I think, when other people actually get to experience and see your hard work, whether they know it was you or not that did it, at least they're getting to see it and kind of feel it and, you know, just get a, you know, I don't even know, just seeing it in general is really cool. Yeah, Um, and to be honest, like it's almost, I feel almost more comfortable being behind the scenes, not having my name out there saying it. But it is like you you put so much of your heart into it that you just, you know, when, when you hear positive feedback from total strangers with regards to it, it's like, it, it's really exciting that, uh, that other people could be touched by it in some way. Yeah, for sure. For sure. 
Um, so I do want to go back to something else that we mentioned too. So we were talking about how, you know, when you work at a bigger company or a company in general, you have some guidance around you, whether it comes from coworkers, managers, et cetera. But when you are an entrepreneur, when you have your own company, it's a bit different. You don't have as much, you know, guidance around you. You know, you don't have as much uh, affirmation or someone to lean on if you have some questions really besides your clients who are giving you, you know, some sort of feedback, whether it be positive or constructive, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So you as an entrepreneur starting your own business, have you ever had moments where you're like, oh, I wish I had someone to lean on or, you know, how are you able to really get all the knowledge you need to do your job well and work for massive brands again, like L'Oreal and Clarence? I've had those moments multiple times, Mm -hmm. to be honest. It's like, especially, um, especially because I'm building my company in that country that is not my own, you know? So it Mm -hmm. makes it all the more complicated because when it comes to even just setting up my company originally in terms of the legal matters and finding the right lawyers and it's not easy. It's not easy. And there are days where it's like, God, it would just be so much easier to just go and work for someone else. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Um, But I've, I've really learned that that's where it is pivotal to be able to surround yourself with the right people. And by that, I mean, through developing your friendships and um, that's, yeah, because even just asking around, like to set up my company, it was, um, you know, asking a dear friend, do you know of someone of lawyers that can uh, do X, Y, Z? And then asking someone else, can you advise me which accountant I should go towards? You know, it's, all these different steps. And so I could have never done that without the help of friends that I've made along the way, to be honest. Yeah. And I mean, speaking of which, you are in a completely different continent. I know you did go to school there for, you know, a year in high school, but how have you been able to make a friend group around you? How have you been able to make uh, connections in a professional manner, but also social manner as well? Like, was that difficult or is it your personality to be able to just go out and meet people and build a friend group no matter where you are? So it's very, very interesting because it's much harder to find friends in Paris and to make friends in Paris than elsewhere, especially in the U.S. Because um, the French, especially in Paris, are just more reserved um, and you can't really get into their, their circles of friends unless you're introduced by someone that's already in there. Okay. So um, a lot of my friends, I will say, are expats, both in New York and Paris, um, just because I think I'm just naturally drawn to uh, people that have lived amongst different cultures. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but then a lot of my friends, um, it's usually like either one person that introduced me to a group and then within that I met another one that introduced me to another one. And um yeah, especially like I said in Paris, otherwise it's not easy. So that's mm-hmm. been that's been really nice. Yeah, for sure. And um you seem very career driven, but was there ever any nerves um that you had when you were in New York or in Paris when you were kind of thinking, hey, I don't know if I want to do this with my career because you know it's gonna be hard to build a completely new life in a very new place without any family, with you know, little connections in the place that I'm moving. Or did you always just have confidence that you'd be able to build that and maybe that your career would come first and, you know, you just have some achievements and be able to lean on those achievements as well? Honestly, it's so normal to have your fears arise 
at any given moment, even nowadays, like even now years into this, there are days where I, I'm like, okay, what am I, am I taking the right step? Mm -hmm. Should I take this opportunity instead of that one? Um, And if I think too much about it, to be honest, I think that I would let myself be paralyzed by that fear. So that's why I'm lucky in a sense that I'm very action oriented and maybe it's my spontaneous slash impulsive side (laughs) Um, that I just, if I see something like an instinctively, I feel it's right. I go for it without putting too much time into thinking about it because I know that if it's like, I don't even surf, but the, in essence, it's like, if you see that, that perfect wave coming, you're not going to get that chance twice and you have to take it. And then you know that you'll find the solutions along the way. See, this is interesting to me because I also am, you know, very spontaneous and I do like to just, you know, take action as quick as I can. I don't always think things through. I don't always have a big documented plan before I, in, you know, just kind of embark on any, you know, endeavor, whether it be business-based or just kind of a side hustle, side project as well. I just kind of go for it. And I found that it has worked for me as well. And mm. it seems like it's worked really well for you. And I think it's a really cool quality to have because I think it's actually a small subset of people that do actually have that. Um, Not to say that it's not good to document out a plan and be, you know, prepared and whatnot. Um, But still, I think it just is a very unique quality and it's kind of a cool one to have as well. So super interesting to hear that you are like that. And I mean, anyone who has done as many different projects and um, had as many different career paths as you do, I think that it is, you know, it's kind of, it's almost expected for you to be like that because most people don't have the ability to diversify as much as you have, but you've been able to do it and you've done it well, which is really cool. But that kind of brings me to my next question too, where it's, you know, you've done different things. You've written a book, you've started your own company. um, You've also taught, um, you've done obviously other things amongst all of that as well. But Have you ever, um, you know, kind of had hesitations with working on so much or having so much within your portfolio, or has it been very natural to you to just have more than one thing on the go all the time? Well, I have to say that if I am not busy, then I am remarkably bored Mm -hmm. and I can't stand that. (laughs) Yeah. I function much better under pressure, um, which is why I like the fact that my the work I do, the industries I'm in have very tight deadlines. Um, it, so yeah, high pressure, but I need that to, to really thrive. That being said, there have been instances where I've bitten off more than I can chew and um, where I will be working 15 hour days and getting three to four hours of sleep. And, you know, it's just, it's not sustainable, but I know that the, that comes in brief periods, hopefully brief, mm-hmm. but, um, and, you know, sometimes it's, those, those are the most challenging periods, but in the end, I know it's not for forever. So I can, I can get through it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Have you ever had to sacrifice say like a social activity or just doing like a, a thing for yourself, whether it be, okay, I'm going to take a day and go to the museum, or I'm going to take a day and just, you know, watch movies. Have you ever had to sacrifice anything like that for work? And, you know, is that something that you actually enjoy doing, like working, you know, more and perhaps sacrificing some of those other things? Or have you been able to balance everything and you feel like you've had a great balance between all those different kind of aspects of life? I mean, there's been a lot of sacrifices along the way, mostly in terms of my sleep. But <laughs> <laughs> um, but 
I think that I've been, I've gotten much better about managing between um, allowing myself a bit of a social life and work um, because I recognize that I'm much more efficient in my work if I've taken some time out for myself. Um, if I can come back, because I, I took time to, especially for me, running is, that's my oxygen. I need it to be able to function well. So running, yoga, meditation at times, um, and then seeing my friends and to be able to have those social interactions, which really make leave me feeling so positive and joyful afterwards, that allows me to then go back to my work and have a clear mind and you know, be more efficient. Yeah. And I think that's actually comforting to hear because a lot of times we hear the narrative where it's like, okay, you have to have X amount of time spent on yourself, X amount of time spent with family and friends, and then, you know, have this small subset of time spent on career. But I think there is people out there who really are career driven and that should be a big focus of their life. And um, again, just kind of from my perspective, you know, being 24 at this time, I've often had that conversation with friends where they say, you know, Simran, you're working too much, or, you know, I would never work those long hours, but I personally feel like it's good for me because I want my career to progress in a way. And, you know, that really fuels me is being able to spend so much time and effort on a certain thing, you know, but there is people as well where they would rather, you know, have a very equal balance between everything, which also makes sense. And, you know, by the way, um, you know, running is also something I love to do. So I'm happy that it's also something that you kind of use to kind of clear your mind and get that oxygen as well, because I love running. Any activity really is, it's a fun one to kind of just reset and just kind of relax as well. It's a fun thing to do. Actually tying those things together, um, because a lot of, I don't know about intact, but maybe you use this to help you solve problems that might arise when whatever you're doing. But um, for me, because my work is very creative in terms of coming up with with slogans and whatnot, or um, different initiatives, I guess, marketing initiatives, I find that actually running and being outside is um, indispensable for my creative process. And a lot of my best writing comes during while I'm running along the water or I'm sitting outside. Um, And I know that a lot of other writers feel the same way, just being able to um, have those eureka moments because you've given yourself that time to sort of like settle down, you know? Yeah, of course, of course. And I definitely get that too, because whether it comes to like my tech job or it comes to kind of freelance and writing as well, like I definitely feel like sometimes you need to step away and then come back and the idea will be there. Um, But yeah, I definitely get that. Speaking of writing though, and being creative, you have written a book, which is it's coming out or it's come out by now. It came out uh, last October. So it's amazing for Prince Charming. Yeah, right. So this story is super interesting to me. So I watched the the video that you had on Instagram, um, you know, that you had put on your personal Instagram page, but take us through the idea um, and kind of the story behind swiping for Prince Charming. And, you know, I just feel like it's very, it's a very cool story. So take us through that. And everyone, by the way, the link for this will be in um, the show notes. So go through and please purchase the book. Um, it'll be a good purchase. I, I promise you. Well, thank you. Um, so this was a year and a half ago that I was um, 
essentially, I, okay, the full story is I was supposed to meet up with an ex-boyfriend that I was still totally head over heels for. Mm-hmm. And I was really anxiously awaiting this day, so much so that I woke up and had come down with a fever. I literally made myself sick because I was so nervous. Um, and so I was journaling and writing out all my frustrations on men and life and dating. And the text started flowing out in a very poetic manner. Mm-hmm. And it was just, I kept writing and writing until I got to the end. And I literally recognized that I just created the entire text of my book. Um, because it is an illustrated tale, uh, which is essentially one very long poem that recounts the story of a woman as she goes through the different adventures of dating, trying to find her soulmate. Um, and I just knew that when I, if I could transform this into this illustrated piece, that it would resonate with so many other women that are facing the same challenges. Mm-hmm. And it would be just this very uplifting, fun, sweet, quirky, sassy little piece that would also come with a deeper uh, message about finding self-love through the process Mm -hmm. of dating. Yeah, such a cool story. And I, first of all, I love the story. Um, You know, I think it's a really cool one. I think it's one that a lot of people identify with as well, like having that someone in your life that, you know, maybe doesn't work out with But at the same time, finding self-love in all of it as well is super important. I think a lot of times we don't have enough, um, you know, maybe literature or even just, you know, movies or TV shows that teach us that because a lot of times, you know, it it just kind of ends all, you know, hunky-dory when everyone ends up with the right person. And, you know, sometimes that's unrealistic. Um, But with that being said, too, I know you do have an interesting story in tie to Emily in Paris, which I'm sure most people have watched by now and binged such a good one on Netflix. It was, you know, the talk of the town the last couple of weeks, last couple of months. Um, But yeah, give us that rundown too. And that connection between Emily in Paris and the book that you wrote. So after I wrote the book um, and I was really, I had this, my illustrator really advancing on the, on the drawings. Um, It was about a month or so later that it was announced that the gentleman that created Sex in the City, Darren Starr, was going to make a TV show about a 20-something American girl that works in Paris, moves to Paris to work in marketing, which is essentially the story of my life. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yep. And I was, at first I was like, oh my God, what do I do? Like, this is, this is entirely the tone and, you know, again, very sex in the city and literally the story of my life. I need to be a part of this. So I tried everything to, uh, to write to them, reach out to them in any way. um, And no one got back to me. And so that was uh, sometime in late March or sorry, late April. April, I think that August, um, I was supposed to move to New York to teach at FIT and literally a week before I moved a total stranger on Instagram placed a photo hashtag Emily in Paris. And it was the first day of filming in the city. And I recognized immediately where it was. So I literally raced over there and, and tried to uh, find anyone that would listen to me saying I need to meet with the producers to provide content for the show, uh, convinced the technician to tell me where they'd be the next day, yeah. um, showed up on set acting like I was ready and already part of the team, yeah. told the guy like, hi, I ha- I'm here to propose content for you. Um, and, and I came with the book and I tried to get them to 
to take the book and to show it to the American team. And they were like, lady, this isn't, this isn't happening. Uh, <laughs> you know, we need to ask you to leave the set. <laughs> um, but here's an email address. Try that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I wrote to them, and of course, no one responded. And uh, a few days later, my friend sent me a link where they were casting for the TV show. So I applied twice, and I got in. And on the very last night that I had in Paris before moving to New York, I was filming the TV show that recounts essentially a story of my life in the museum where my parents met. So that is crazy. <laughs> What a full circle story. Like that isn't so insane to me. So for context to anyone listening, um, Sabrina and I had met over Instagram through an introduction and we talked briefly. I went to her Instagram page. Um, I didn't know too much about you at the time, but I watched the video and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so crazy. Like, this is so cool. And I mean, from that moment, I was like, this girl is persistent. Like you know, even the fact that like, we can tie this back to what you were saying earlier, where you heard about a conference and you wrote to the New York times and you applied and interviewed, et cetera, you got in, you're part of it. Like, this is the same thing. You go after what you want, which is so cool. And I mean, I love that your story, you know, identifies so much with the one that they portrayed in Emily in Paris. Um, And again, really full circle story, I think as well the fact that your parents met at that museum, which is so crazy. I know Um, it was, it was very surreal, the whole thing. And uh, yeah. yeah. So I'm still, again, like I would love, and I'm hoping they're going to sign for a season two. And Mm -hmm. my goal is to write for them for season two. um, So fingers crossed. But yeah, I think that, as you said, I mean, for me, it's like, I don't even, while I'm doing it, I'm not sitting there thinking like, I need to be persistent. It's really, it comes like naturally, Naturally, but it's also in a way, I feel like um, I love adrenaline and I love feeling like I am taking on, it's for me, the feel, putting these really big ambitious goals, it's in a way it's fun for me. It also gives me something to, to strive for. And, you know, worse comes to worse, as you mentioned earlier, like if, if you don't succeed, at least, you know, you tried, so you won't regret it. And if you do, then well, actually, whether or not you do, you'll have a great story. So you might as well go for it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, for sure. And you definitely have a really cool story. Like I, the one on Instagram, by the way, for anyone listening, um, the story is a bit longer. So go there and listen as well. I think it's just a really cool story. It's just a video on Sabrina's feed. Um, But yeah, I think it is a great story. I hope you get to write for them as well. This is kind of a random question, but Emily in Paris and your book aside, had you ever dreamed or had any sort of like, I guess, passion for writing for entertainment or writing for a TV show or movie or anything like that? Or is that more so just something that came when Emily in Paris um, kind of identified with your story that you were writing? Um, It's really interesting. You should ask that. My mom actually for a while was writing screenplays and submitting them to different contests for several years, actually. Oh, cool. Um, So I think that maybe that was... So that somehow influenced me. And then not too long ago, I actually, one of my clients had me translate a book um, from French into English and then uh, transform it into a screenplay. Oh, okay. I have uh, some experience in that and, and I really like it. And I just, I love the world of like, I mean, this, I think I was the cheesiest happiest person on that set because I was like oh my gosh this feels so glamorous like we haven't had water for hours but who cares <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny yeah 
So who did you get to meet on set? Was it mostly just other extras or did you get to meet any of the big um, kind of main actors or actresses or producers or anyone like that um, as well when you were there? Hmm. I I was very mindful, especially because particularly in France, uh, you have to be careful about following rules. Hmm. So (laughs) I didn't want to ruffle any feathers, especially because I was I was feeling so blessed to already be there. Yeah. I think that um, actually really interestingly enough, while filming, I met um, this other guy that was there, uh, Alexis Barbosa, who is actually um, a really well-established DJ, uh, mm-hmm. especially here in Paris. And we became fast friends and he was moving to New York that summer uh, just after I did. And so when he came to New York, um, you know, we were hanging out and we were doing, um, and then he told me that he, when he asked if I could, he could stay at my place for a few days. So that was, so I was like, yeah, sure. And he was very sweet. He said, well, to thank you, um, I would like to help you organize your launch party for your book. Yeah. And so, cause he was already, um, organizing different parties where he was DJing in New York. And so, um, yeah, thanks to between him and another friend of mine who's a DJ, uh, Farah Sabado, Miss Sabado in New York, I was able to have this incredible launch party at uh, the Williamsburg Hotel. And oh it was gosh. literally like one of the best nights of my life. And they both DJed at it, and over 100 people showed up, and it was just incredible. So, all because I met him also on set. (laughs) That is so cool. I love that. That's so awesome. Um, I mean, I think it's like a really cool thing to not just launch a book, but have an incredible party to go along with it. So wow. Like I wish I was there. I wish I knew you and I wish I was in New York. That would have been a cool one to be at. I would have been delighted to have you there. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's really fun. I love, yeah. And I mean, it's one of those things where you never know where you're going to meet someone, um, whether it be a friend or romantic connection or someone who will help you professionally, but it's, you know, just keep your ears and eyes open at all times, be nice to everyone. And, you know, who knows what will come out of the people that you meet. Um, Okay, so now we're coming close to the end of our time, but my last and final question, what is the best piece of career advice you've ever been given, whether it is um, from someone you worked with directly, someone who is a parent or family member, could be anyone, but what is that best piece of career advice? Oh my God, that's such a hard question. Hold on. (laughs) It's definitely Uh, a hard one. I'm sorry. Now I'm going to freeze up. Of course, on the last question. No. Yeah. The thing is that like, I've heard some really, I think the best was what my godmother once told me, which is there's always a solution. Mm. And just to, in that, to have faith in yourself, to know that like, no matter what happens, you will get through it. And will it possibly be challenging? Yes, but you will find a way. Mm-hmm. So to, yeah, to really just trust your resilience. I love that. Yeah. And I think, you know, that is applicable to career. It's applicable to personal life when you face challenges as well. So it's a really great piece of advice for sure. I love that one. Thank you. All right. Well, very last thing, where can people find you um, and where can they find your book? Um, let us know all of it. Everything, by the way, for anyone listening will be in the show notes as well. So if you don't catch it right now, just go ahead and look there and go ahead and click those links. But Sabrina, let us know. 
So I'm, uh, you can reach me on Instagram at sabrina.marzaro, M-A-R-Z-A-R-O. And my, uh, my book's Instagram page is at swiping for Prince Charming. Uh, and then you can find the book at Barnes and Noble, Amazon, Target. Um, those are probably the easiest places to find it. Oh my gosh. So cool. So I know I said final question, but I have to know. So when your book was finally launched, where was the first place you went? Did you go to the bookstore? Did you like pick it up? Did you like go through it? Like, what did you do? That must've been so exciting. Um, the first time it really hit me was when I received the first copy before it was even available to the public, just Mm -hmm. having the actual item in my hands. That was, I was so beyond giddy with excitement. And actually I received the first copy on my way to meeting the cast of Emily in Paris. So it was even like crazier, but, um, and then I just wanted to just carry it everywhere and take photos of it in front of every monument. Like, (laughs) yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's so. so cute. I love that. Oh my gosh. I feel like you've done so much. It's amazing. You have so many accomplishments, but thank you so much for coming on. It was amazing to hear your story. It was amazing to hear everything you've done. Um, I think there's so many tidbits of great advice in there. Again, that is very inspiring, motivating for anyone listening, especially myself. Um, in a very selfish way, I'll say that I was very inspired, um, but I'm sure all the listeners as well loved hearing your stories. But yeah, thank you you so much. It's really been such a pleasure talking to you. Oh, thank you so much. It's been great. Um, But yeah, please, everyone go follow Sabrina. Um, You know, she just gave all her social links. Go find her, go follow. Um, And again, everything will be in the show notes. Thanks again. You know, as different as everything seems this holiday season, one thing still holds true year after year. Everybody loves holiday scratch-offs from the Ohio Lottery. And with tickets available from $1 to $20, they're the perfect gift for anyone on your list 18 years or older. So, stay safe this year and play it safe with your gift-giving. Give scratch-offs from the Ohio Lottery. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Please play responsibly. Donato's just didn't add bacon to their pizzas. They added bacon to their bacon. Canadian bacon and hardwood smoked bacon. Or Canadian bacon and Chipotle seasoned bacon. Get $2 off a large bacon duo or any large pizza. Use promo code 2. Donato's. Every piece is important.